Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior on this Trinity Sunday, Jesus Christ. Amen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Here ends our text. Remember these words. The one thing needful. The one thing needful. With the aid of Hollywood, we have no doubt kind of grasped the idea of parallel universes. It may have started off with something like Star Trek, or maybe if we go back even far enough, the Twilight Zone. But most recently, scientific theory from the likes of people like Steve Hawkins and others have begun to challenge our way of thinking about the world in which we live. For there is and does appear to be another universe that is parallel to our own. And it forces us or makes us at least think about stepping one step forward or maybe even one step backward to begin to think about what it is that Jesus has been teaching us about the kingdom of God. That there is another world, another universe, another place where one can enter which is radically different and which functions in a radically different way from the way in which this world functions. That's what Jesus was trying to say to Nicodemus when he told them that it was necessary to be reborn if he was to enter into the kingdom of God. As much as it is difficult for a child to go from the reality of the womb into the reality of this world outside of the womb, so also we must come to realize that there is another reality, another world, which lies outside of this world. What is it that drives I use that word, drives our world. Drivers are things that motivate people, things that people treasure, things that people are going to work for. They're the things that we think give us purpose and hope and happiness. Well, the major drivers of our world, and I think most of us, if we sit back and think about this, would have to agree, are things like money and power and sexuality and security and status and armies and possessions and words and skills and every once in a while even God and religion and conscience. Like a chessboard, we enter into life and we set up all those pieces as we begin now to compete with the world around us in order that we might possess or have these things and they can give us our meaning and our purpose and the fullness of our life. Nicodemus, he knew this game. And we don't know much about him, but we know that he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the highest ruling council of the Jews. He was one of the most powerful people in all of Israel. And to get there, he had to be successful. He was a person who probably came from some kind of a noble family. He was extremely well-educated. He was wise, and he was diplomatic, and he was even pragmatic. So pragmatic that he knew that there would be controversy if he came to Jesus in the open daylight, and so he came to him at night. 
so that he might not get mixed up in all that controversy concerning Jesus himself. Nicodemus came to him, though, because he knew there was something he could not understand. Here is Jesus, a man of poor parentage, growing up in a city of undescribed described or undefined city up in northern Galilee, and he was doing miracles. He was healing people who had diseases. He was a person who was feeding thousands of people who were following him out into remote locations. But his words and his teachings were beginning to change people's hearts so that they were no longer being affected by these powerful drivers of this world. He knew that somehow there must be this other universe, another world in which there might be different drivers, but he couldn't understand it. And so Jesus started using metaphors to make him understand. To understand and see the other world, Jesus said, he would have to be reborn. Just as a child comes into this world through conception and then birth, so no one can enter into that other world except through a spiritual conception and birth which would create a new life within the heart and within the mind, and this all by the power of the Holy Spirit. If Nicodemus thought that this would take place through these drivers in the world, Jesus told him that that movement of the Holy Spirit was like the wind. You can't tell where it comes from, and you can't tell where it is that it's going. You can tell only by the sound that it makes. And if Nicodemus had any notions of the idea that Jesus was going to use these miracles to advance his wealth or security or importance or fame, as some thought he was going to become the king of Israel, Jesus brought Nicodemus back to the metaphor of all metaphors. He brought him back to that wilderness there where Israel was out in the desert, having left Egypt, and there they were grumbling against Moses, grumbling against God for taking them out and redeeming and saving them. And so God sent snakes into that camp of those grumbling Israelites and then they came to Moses because they were all dying. And God, Moses goes before God, and God says, all right, take a bronze serpent, make a bronze one, put it upon a stake, call it the caduce. You see it in the doctor's office all the time. And whoever looks at it will be healed. And so Moses did, and they were healed. What Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus is that this is exactly what it is that was going to happen to him. He too was going to be set upon a stake, a pole, a cross. But there at that cross, he was going to become the substitute for you and for me. He was going to die in our place. His blood, the shedding of his blood, was going to like that Passover lamb's blood. It was going to turn away the wrath of God towards us. And as simple as it was, as those people had looked upon that stake in the wilderness, and by believing God's word and promise, they would be healed, 
so also as simple as it might be, as we look at Christ and believe in Him and trust that He was dying for our sins, we too are going to receive forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit and eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him might not perish but have everlasting life. Did Nicodemus know who Jesus was? Did he know that Jesus was the incarnate Son of God, that second person of the Trinity? So radically different is that other world that no one can recognize it from this world or understand how it works. Nicodemus was trying in this world to understand that world and it made no sense. What is that other world? The drivers in that other world are in no way connected to the drivers of this world. Money, piety, worldly success, education, truly nothing on this side of creation has any influence or effect on that other world. The only driver in that other world is the Word of God that comes out of the heart and the mind of a gracious God. John said this in his first chapter. He writes, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Yet to all who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God, and listen to these words. Children born not of natural descent. In other words, they weren't Jewish by ethnicity, nor of human decision. Destroys all our notions that we have to accept Jesus as our Savior, that it comes from us, that the driver is our own will. Not of human decision. Nor of a husband's will. That is to say, not because mom and dad were believers but born of God. Where's the driver there? Nothing from us on our side of creation. The driver is only the will of God working through His Word. Doesn't this require us to kind of rethink not just our lives, but what it means to be the church? Maybe even to rebuke ourselves for trying to be able to impose our human ways of thinking upon the church of Christ, as though the drivers of this world make that world happen. We are going to, in just a few days, be calling a senior pastor. What is going to matter about that person? Is the other world setting forth qualifications? Or are we as a church... Are we going to live in the world of Nicodemus or the world of Jesus? It is not, is it not our goal? Is it not what we are here for? It's very simple. To set forth that image of the crucified Christ so that when all people look upon that image, they find in that image the forgiveness of their sins. Are our eyes looking for things other than that that would define us as a church?
Is it our financial success? Is it our numbers? Is it our team spirit? Is it our effective programs? Do big buildings and lots of people mean that we are the church of the other world? Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there is where Christ is to be found. Let's think about this story in terms of that story of the serpent upon the cross. Were the people healed because Moses was an effective leader? Moses was a person who experienced nothing but controversy. Thousands rebelled against him. And it was actually because of the rebellion of the people that they were being bitten by the snakes. Were any of the people there immune from the bites of the snakes? Did he only bite children who were eight years old and older? Did he bite only men or only women or only old people or only people who had been really bad, sinful people? The snakes bit them all. And that gift of God upon that stake was a promise that came undeserved. It was a healing that was given to them as a gift. And it was the only way for people to be saved. Only in that other world are we able to find a cure for the venomous snake that has bitten us and has brought us into sin and death and even under the veil of God's judgment. Only in that other world can we find our way out. God has placed a beautiful object right before our eyes. What, is, what are those words? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. The driver is the gracious will of God to save us from sin and death. But the object of that driver, like that serpent upon the stake, is that Christ who is on the cross there dying for our sins and in our place. The world will never understand that. The world operates with a very different set of drivers. We have a hymn that goes like this. One thing needful, Lord, this treasure teach me highly to regard. All else, though it first gives pleasure, is a yoke that presses hard. Beneath it the heart is still fretting and striving, no true lasting happiness ever deriving. The one thing is needful, all others are vain. I count all but loss that I Christ may obtain. The driver is the Holy Spirit who set himself before Nicodemus. You must be born again of water and spirit. For Nicodemus, being baptized is going to be a difficult thing. No longer are we permitted to live by the drivers of this world. Being baptized would mean that we'd have to step out into the light, a light that makes everybody equal, equally condemned, equally forgiven. But there in the light, in those waters of baptism, God has placed what Peter said there at Pentecost. 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Does the reception of those gifts depend upon anything that we do? You can see today, as Charlotte was brought to the waters of baptism, about all that she did was spit up. That wasn't something that earned her salvation, I can guarantee that. But what, did ha- what happened? It was a promise that God made in the waters of baptism that he was going to give her a new life. And now that she is in that other world, she is a child of God and has the right and the gift of being able to live forever. All we hear is the wind. I baptize you, Charlotte Grace Pruce. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Wind. We only hear its sound. Remember now, the only thing matters is that other world. The one that the world will never see or comprehend. And in that world, the only thing that is needful is a crucified Christ who is set before our eyes with the promise that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That hymn, One Thing Needful, concludes in this way, Nothing have I, Christ, to offer. You alone, my highest good. Nothing have I, Lord, to proffer, but your chrism-colored blood. Your death on the cross has death wholly defeated, and thereby my righteousness is fully completed. Salvation's white raiment I there did obtain, and in them in glory with you I shall reign. One thing needful. One thing. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.